0: Many people um, don't know the extent of my employment resume. And I'm not talking about just ministry employment. I'm talking about everything that I've done. I believe the last time I sat down to count, uh, there were something like 34 separate places of employment with 24 different actual jobs. Um, I have pretty much done a little bit of everything. Uh, been a groundskeeper. I've been a train driver, I've been uh, a school photographer, I have been a convenience store clerk. I've delivered telephone books and newspapers and rolled newspapers and I could go on forever. But uh, one of the jobs that I don't often tell people about, and part of me doesn't want to say it this morning, uh, but I used to work as a team leader for a moving company. Uh-huh. Yeah, everybody's going to call me, out do they want to move something. Um, it was an interesting job. It was a hot job in the summer. I remember one moving job that um, it was the middle of July, and the job was to clean out all the stuff they had salvaged from a third story apartment that had burned. So there was so much water in the place, and it was so humid, and it was 110 degrees outside. These are some of the things that, that we had to do. And one of my favorite things about the job was the impossible tasks that they sometimes um, called us for. <laughs> some of the impossible tasks were a little mundane tasks. They, uh, they had one lady who called, and she wanted us to move her six-bedroom house and pack it up in one day originally it was supposed to be packed up when we got there and it wasn't packed up so it was supposed to be a one day job but it was six bedrooms and we had to pack everything up and move it all out um, and get it done was not was not a fun job but we did it i remember once um having to move a baby grand piano off of the third floor um, I remember taking nine foot couches down the narrowest hallways and having to turn them at the end to get them into the room. All these things that that really just seemed impossible, but in the end we got done. Our default sometimes in difficult situations seems to be impossibility. Sometimes we see a difficult situation and we think, huh, no, I can't do it, I'm not even gonna try. It's, it's one of the things that, that I have been working with Shiloh on in video games sometimes because he'll get to a, a, an, I'll use that, an obstacle course, which he would call an obby, but I'm going to use that word because y'all are going go with an obby. An obstacle course, to, he has to play, and he would play it two or three times and say, it's impossible, I can't do it, and want to walk away, and I'd have to say, no, son, you can do this. Go back and take your time and try. And so We get to that point in our lives sometimes where we think things are difficult, so we say they're impossible. And I think sometimes that's how we feel in our battle with temptation. Temptation sometimes seems very, very, very strong. Maybe too strong. And that's what we think. We we see temptation and and we end up getting to this point where we go, well, I don't think I can ever win this battle. I don't think I I can overcome this. I don't think I can handle this, Brother Short, You don't understand how hard this sin is for me. You don't understand how hard it is for me to do these things. Well, this morning, we're in a text that answers that very question. Can I ever win this battle? Paul is is talking to the Corinthians. And of course, the Corinthians are this... um, They are a church I would not want to pass I mean, if you look at that, I mean, it's one of the only... Letters that we have two of his letters to, and it's actually he wrote like five letters. You know, there's so many things that were going on in that church, and there were so many issues they were having. And here he has been talking to them about doing things different, about standing up to sin, about not doing the same things over and over and over again, and. This is possibly the biggest struggling church in the New Testament. They are divided over leaders. They are divided over whether or not they should allow blatant sin to to, to live in their midst. Their worship has devolved into a chaotic mess with people looking for places of esteem. And in the midst of this, we find our passage this morning over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And starting there in verse 11, we read the following text. It says, now these things happen to them as examples. And they were written as a warning to us on whom the ends of the ages have come. So whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you were able, but with temptation, he will also provide a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. I we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel of the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We ask all these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake and all God's people's sake. Here in the immediate context, Paul has been talking about coming out of Israel, coming out of Egypt, Israel's coming out of Egypt and going through the desert and all the things that have happened there. the fact, they had turned away to follow idols. And that is what he is talking about when he makes this... Um, this phrase, this this verse to the people in Corinth. But what he says here is you'll be tempted, right? That's what he says. You will be tempted. There's there's no no ifs, ands, or buts about that. We're all going to have temptation. We're never going to get to the point where we don't have temptation. The only place we're not going to have temptation is when we get to heaven. When we're in Jesus' presence physically, we won't have temptation anymore. He starts by saying your ancestors had it. And it's no different from the people there in Corinth. And he starts pointing out their own sins and failures and the things that had happened. Now, sometimes Scripture is a guide for what we don't want to do. That's what he's telling him. He's like, Well, look back at your ancestors. That wasn't a good bunch. That's kind of what he says. They failed. They grumbled. They whined. They complained. They did all the things they shouldn't do. And because of that, they had to wander. Sometimes there's just this example. Because if you don't know history, what do we say? You're bound to repeat it. And that's what he's talking to the Corinthians about. But then he gets to this and he says, you know what? Whenever you think you've mastered temptation is when you should be most concerned. He says, those of you who think you've got a handle on it, be careful, lest you fall. Now, why is that? Well, because, you know, actually we talked about this idea of complacency. This idea of, well, I have arrived. (laughs) I've arrived. I have arrived. I have arrived. I have made to the mountaintop. I have conquered that sin. It's not going to come at me anymore. Um, Okay. I met a guy once. Different denomination. Who told me he had gotten to the point of sinlessness. He didn't sin anymore. He said, you're a liar. Because you just sinned. That that, that doesn't work. We're always going to have temptation. We're always going to have these things that are going on. And we're always going to have to know that that's a danger. When we get to the point where we think it's not a danger anymore, that's when we begin to fall. That's when we begin to falter. That's when the devil's going to see that chink in the armor and go, There it is! Told you. You just thought. You just thought you knew. But now, I've got you. I've got you where I want you. And I'm going to pull you down and put you somewhere that you don't want to be. You know, this this whole scripture is a good news, bad news thing for me, if you look at your notes. I struggle with my title this morning. Um, because there is this good news, bad news format for me as I read it. I almost titled this sermon, The Good News and the Bad News. <laughs> um, I had a professor at Howard Payne. His name was Dr. Rowark. He was an eccentric man. Um... But he probably taught me more than any other professor I ever had on how to think. He was our philosophy professor in the Christian Studies department. And so he would ask questions like, what is Christian music? What makes music Christian? There were lots of arguments in that class. He was the professor who, if you put his chair on the desk, when he came in at 70-some-odd years old, he would climb the desk and sit in the chair and teach from there. But he had, and what he taught was, the dialectic thought process. On one hand, but on the other. Carrie probably wishes I never had Dr. Roark as a professor. Because none of our decisions or anything are ever easy, because it's always on the one hand but on the other. And that to me as I read this text is what we have. Because really the good news here is that you aren't the only one to experience the temptation you experience. You're not alone. There is someone else who's going through it. You know, you don't have to walk this path by yourself. There is something about not being alone that makes things easier, right? There's something about knowing that you're not the only one. That I'm not the only one having to deal with this. That I'm not the only one where the ends don't meet sometimes. And I'm not the only one who struggles with this sin over here. And I'm not the only one who's having to deal with this. There's something about not being alone that makes things easier to handle. So the good news is, you aren't the only one to experience the temptation you experience. But the bad news is, you aren't the only one to experience the temptation you experience. It's not an excuse anymore. You can't say, but you don't understand. Nobody understands. Nobody is going through what I go through. It's so difficult. They can't possibly get it. But the problem is your temptation is not different or harder. so it's not an excuse. That's the bad news. I'll share way too much, but I'll, um, Carrie will come to me sometimes and she'll be like. like when she was pregnant. I'm going to use the same one. When she was pregnant and she had a few more pounds on her, she would say, it's so hot. Welcome to my world. <laughs> I mean, there, there's, there's, there, there's there's no empathy there. I get it. But welcome to my world. It's something that, that I've already gone through. And she'll do that in other issues too. She'll come and she'll say, I can't believe this. And I'm like, well, other people are doing that too. Other people are going to that. But I just want your sympathy. I know what you want. But We have to also understand that we're not the only ones to experience it. That your sin is not unique to you. Your struggle with your sin isn't really unique to you because everybody has that same kind of struggle and that same kind of pull. But also the good news is God is faithful and he won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. And that means even in temptation even when evil is there God still maintains a level of control on your life even in that moment on the cross when Jesus was there and he screams out Father why are you forsaking me some bad theology came out of that for about 40 years God couldn't look on him because he was sin God can look on sin he just doesn't want to have anything to do with sin God never left Jesus he there. God was there. God understands. Even in that moment, Jesus could have said, I want to be done, but he didn't. The good news is that God is faithful. He gives us a way to, to, to not be tempted beyond what we're able. We're never going to have more than we can deal with in temptation because of something else. But the bad news is God is faithful. And he won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. where the truth doesn't make any sense. It does. You want to know why? Because every time you fail and succumb to temptation, it's a choice you made. Temptation didn't overpower you. It wasn't stronger than you are. You chose to let it win you. We don't like hearing hear that. Man, I don't want to hear that. The devil made me do it. It was just too hard to do. No. The Bible's clear. God doesn't give us more than we can handle in temptation the Bible's clear that we, 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 we can overcome this we can do this and when we don't it's not because temptation was stronger it's because I made a choice to follow the wrong path I made a choice to do the thing I wasn't supposed to do I made a choice to look over my shoulder like the girl in the red dress last week from the matrix. I made a choice to do that that was my choice. And because I made that choice, I fell. That's, that's tough. The good news is in temptation, God offers tools to overcome. He doesn't leave us to suffer. We aren't defenseless, we've been equipped. He's given us His Word, He's given us His Spirit, He's given us all of these things that we can overcome. That song, that old spiritual. We can overcome. He's given us the tools. He, it's, it's. We're not on an episode of Naked and Afraid. You've seen that show. Naked and Afraid. They drop them off naked in the middle of the jungle. They have to survive for how many ever days. But no, God doesn't do that. God says, "Here, I clothe you in righteousness." I give you the Spirit. I allow you the tool of my word so that you can overcome temptation. So that whenever it strikes and temptation tells you something, when temptation comes and it tells you oh, you shouldn't really try that hard because I remember who you used to be. You used to be the person who did all those horrible things. You were a drunk, you were a sinner, you were a carouser, you were all sorts of debauchery. You were that person. And when the the bring you down. He gave us our words so we can turn over to the book of Revelation and say, but I know how it is. We have the tools to overcome temptation. That's the good news. But guess what? The bad news is God offers the tools to overcome temptation. That means we have to choose to submit to God and follow His lead. Against mm. that choice. We have to choose to use them. I was so excited about a year ago because I bought an air fryer. And Carrie said, why? I've got oven. He said, because it's an air fryer. And I can fry things with air. And that Machine has sat on my cabinet for a year with me being the only one who'll use it because Carrie until this week wouldn't touch the thing. God can give me all the tools that I need. But if I don't use the tools that He's given me, I can't win. Carrie can look at the package of tater tots and read the air fryer directions, but if she puts it in the oven, the air fryer didn't do her a good. We have to use them. That's the bad news because God gives us the tools and we have to choose to use them. We have to submit to God. We have to follow his lead. We have to use the tools. That's how we overcome. The good news, according to this text, is that we can overcome temptation every time. The Bible is clear that we have that power within us and God provides us the tools. We can do it. The bad news is we won't. Ouch. We won't. Now why won't we? Because of our choice. Because we've decided not to. We still have a deformed desire that we war against. We still have a sin nature that lives within us. We have a still have an evil part warring against the spirit within us. As it said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. As long as we are in this mortal body, we are going to war within ourselves. And although God has given us the ability to overcome temptation, the bad news is we're not going to do it every time. We're going to goof up. We're going to make that mistake. We're going to make that choice. We're going to pick up whatever it is that we didn't need to pick up. We're going to be a part of whatever it is we didn't need to be a part of. We're going to spread the rumor that we didn't need to spread. We're going to do all these things that we shouldn't be doing because we make those choices. And it may offend us to hear that, but I think it breaks God's heart. There are times with my kids that I'm trying to teach them to, to to use something, and they won't they won't listen and do it the way that they're supposed to. They won't use the tool in the proper way, and so I uh, I have a very stubborn child. It has a, it has two of the same chromosomes. That tells you who that one is. Um, <laughs> that was tonight. Yeah. um here in baseball season, she got it in her head that she was a left-handed bat. And nobody was gonna talk her out. She would get up there at the plate and she would swing and it would look okay, but it looked awkward. It wasn't right. And no matter how many times I told her, you are not a left-handed back. She would look at me and say, I am. And so she had her coaches talking to the fact that she was a left-handed batter. And I wasn't going to argue. I would, during the game, I would say, Micah, just, just change. Just try it the other way. Every time. The last game, I, I had enough. by the end of the game. We came home and I said, we're going to do an experiment. And I gave her the bat. And I picked up my great right big old thick pillow. And I said, now this is a mean guy. He's coming to get you. Hit him with the back. Guess how she hit him? Right-handed. I said, see? No, Daddy, I'm still left-handed. Whatever. I mean, that's, that's how we do this stuff, right? That's God with us. God gives us the tools... He tells us what we need to overcome. And he says, this is how you use it. He says, Troy, if you'll spend time in the Word, if you will spend time with me, if you will let the Spirit flow, if you will do the things I told you to do, you can overcome that temptation. And I'm like, God, but I'm too busy today. I've got too many things going on. I'll get to it later. But later never comes. And then we end up falling. And we end up finding ourselves in a place that we don't want to be. We have to use the tools in the way that God wants us to use the tools. Or we won't overcome temptation. Because here's where I don't want us to end. I don't want us to end thinking, well, Brother Troy said we won't win win every time, so I guess I'll have to worry about it. Right? Because we could walk away from here with that. That just dawned on me. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you can win the battle. I'm saying we can strive to overcome temptation every time. But when you don't overcome don't be too hard on yourself. Don't kick yourself while you're down. Don't say, it's just my fault, it's just my fault, it's just my fault. We know that. Mistakes are mistakes. We make mistakes. And we learn from it. That's what we have to do. That's what God's called us to do. Do we strive to do things the right way? Absolutely. We war against the sin within us. We war against these things. But in the end, if we don't overcome because we made the wrong choice, don't go down the wrong path because of it. I don't know how many people I have watched walk away from a relationship with Jesus, a close relationship, because they messed up, they just couldn't get past it. I, I just, I spent a year away from God because I was mad at Him, and He tried calling me back several times, but I didn't listen until I literally heard that song, "Come Home, Come Home." Until I heard it, I wasn't coming home. But when He called me home, it was different because I didn't feel worthy. We're drawing breath today. God loves you. He loves you as a parent loves a child. It doesn't matter how many times my children make me angry, how many times I yell, how many times a spanking has to be given, how many times these things—doesn't matter how many times I find myself disappointed—I still love my children. God with us. doesn't matter how many times we mess up, how far we have fallen, where He finds us, when we have fallen that far. It doesn't matter because we are His and He has called us into relationship with Him. And if we're still drawing breath right here in this world, God loves us. And He has a plan for us. And He isn't done with you yet. Man, <clears throat> I don't want to offend everybody. I'm going to offend everybody.
1: Anyway. The only time
0: I see anything close to retirement for the kingdom in the Bible is Eli. The old priest who sits by the temple, who has two horrible sons who are doing the priestly thing. Remember how he dies? Both of his sons die in the same battle. The messenger comes back and he rolls over out of his chair and dies with the priest's neck. That was his retirement, sitting there. God God doesn't call us to give up kingdom work. He doesn't call us to stop doing the things that that he has called us to do here. He has something for you. It may not be big. It may not be big in your eyes or the world's eyes. It may be a little note that you send somebody. It may be a prayer that you send up. It may be a phone call. But God's not done with you. He's got something for you. Do not fall into temptation that, that says, God's done with me because he's not. Maybe this morning, though, you've never known Jesus. Maybe you've walked this world and you've been sitting there going, "You know, I've heard about him, but eh, you know, I'm not ready to make that commitment yet." Don't wait another day. We're not promised tomorrow. We're promised now. Now's the time to walk out and say, "Brother Troy, I want to know Jesus." Wherever you're at, whatever you need, this morning, give it to Him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. And we praise you for your blessings.